With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is Jeff T. from the Club 520 Podcast. When it comes to your feet, eBay's got your back. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guaranteed, that means real experts are checking your sneakers. Every stitch, down to the sole. They even smell them because nothing says fresh like the scent of real kicks. So kick back and relax. From the drop to your doorstep, eBay doesn't play games with your sneaker game. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay Authenticity Guaranteed. Visit ebay.com for terms. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The volume. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix presented by FanDuel. It might be cold outside, but the sports calendar is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is is safe, secure, and easy to use. FanDuel always has exclusive offers, boosts, and more. When you win, you'll get paid fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting, combine multiple bets from the same game in a same-game parlay, and try out the same-game parlay plus. And FanDuel is now live in Maryland near where Javante Davis is going to fight in just a few weeks. So use the promo code BOXING and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Promo code BOXING. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. And we are back. Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. Back at home this week. No road trips this week, but... uh, I will, I think, uh, make my way to New York for the Teofimo Lopez-Sandor Martin fight this weekend. Pop in on Saturday. That should be a good one on ESPN. We've got some stuff over in the UK. Josh Warrington back in action. But there's a lot going on in the business of boxing as well. To talk about that and much more, I want to bring in a guy I just saw this past weekend in Arizona. Jake Donovan, senior writer over at BoxingScene.com. He was in Glendale, Arizona for Chocolatito Estrada Part 3, which was interesting uh, for a lot of different reasons. Jake, uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Chris. Yeah, I feel like it's been a few days since I last saw you. So. <laughs> All right, uh, let's start yeah. with with last weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. Roman Gonzalez, Juan Francisco Estrada, they fight for the third time. You yeah. know, for the second fight in a row, it was ultra competitive. The first fight was competitive, yes. but that was a pretty clear win for Chocolatito back in 2012. He was the more experienced fighter, Estrada coming down in weight. But for the last like 24 rounds, you've got 23 of them probably that could have gone either way. The judges saw it for Juan Francisco Estrada. How did you see that fight? I had it ever so slow. I had it 115, 113 for um, Gallo Estrada. 
I, I'm perfectly fine if the fight was a draw, which I believe you had it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I would have been fun. I don't know if Chocolatito deserved to win. His team was pretty adamant. Uh, I don't know if you caught that in the hotel lobby. Like, a few of them were, like, staring me down hard when I said, I'm like, yeah, I had Gallo winning by two. They're like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, it, it was that close of a fight. But um, I, I would have been fine with the draw and part four. It seems like a lot of us were like, you know, it took a little bit to get going. Once it got going, it's like, okay, this is the rivalry we've remembered for the past 10 years. And I certainly wouldn't mind seeing 12 or less more rounds. Yeah, you you can't be upset at the yeah. decision when... I mean, look, they gave away the first half of the fight, or most of it anyway. Absolutely. Um, yep. You know, I had the benefit of listening in on the corner, and you could hear Marcos Caballero, his trainer, you know, telling him through the fifth round, like... What's that old line? You're blowing it, baby. You're blowing right. it. <laughs> like, you, you know, <laughs> you it, so. yep. the, the Angelo Dundee line. Like, uh, right. they, they gave it away in the first uh, part of that fight. And look, Chocolatito is pretty well known to be something of a slow starter. He oftentimes takes that first round off to figure out how a guy's going to fight him and adjust accordingly. He lost the first yep. two rounds, um, the first two first rounds against Estrada in the previous fights. But this was different. Yeah. This was like kind of a an old car on a winter's day, you know, kind of getting right. started there. Like once <laughs> it did get started in like that sixth round, he was great. Yeah. Like I thought he won yeah. rounds six through 10, you know, that those middle rounds. Um, right. And then the last two were kind of coin flippy, but I, I split them. I gave Chocolatito the 11th. I gave Estrada the 12th. I had a draw. I, I think if you go back and I went back and rewatched the 11th round of that fight because if Dennis O'Connell, one of the judges, had scored that round for Gonzalez, we would have had a majority draw um, yep. because of the way his scorecard sh shook out. I, I thought O'Connell actually was right. I thought Estrada deserved mm -hmm. that 11th round. I, I would have flipped it on my own card uh, there. So I, I don't think that the Gonzalez team had much of a leg to stand on. And even going in the corner to do an on-camera interview with Caballero, you know, he was pretty clear. He's like, we're going to get it going at some point, but we right. didn't get it going. We're not getting it going right now. I mean, that to me, Jake, was was the, 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 the story of this fight. That for whatever reason, whether it's a credit to Estrada for what he was doing or something right. Chocolatito was not doing, uh, he just couldn't get it going early on. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And Gaio, he made a point to mention that he, as hard as he worked in that second fight, he still got outworked by Chocolatito. I think Chocolatito threw like 100 more punches in that second fight. They set the, the copy box record. This one, he made a point to say that he was training in the mountains. He didn't want Chocolatito to outwork him. He didn't, but it was weird. It's like they both, we saw their work late, uh, decline significantly, but it worked to Gallo's advantage. He took advantage of the stuff that Chocolatito gave him early. I found it interesting, though, that he did start to fade once, you know, Chocolatito came on. Um, but I, I also wonder, too, like if, he had to go full throttle like a Chocolatito could have kept up. But uh, I don't know if like he was holding anything in reserve or he knew he was doing just enough to win. But it felt like it was mission accomplished on his part. But it was interesting to see them both slow down. But I'm with you. It was like for the first six rounds, it's like, man, are we really? It's like, is this the end of Chocolatito? Like, did he just get old overnight? Not overnight, but, you know, over the past year, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to Sergio Moore about this. If, like, if that fight had been the reverse where Chocolatito started fast and faded late. You'd say, all right, maybe he's done. Maybe it's time for the 35 year old to retire, but he picked it up late and, you know, showed, sure you know, great prowess in the later rounds. So, you know, you never know, but you know, after the fight, Gallo Estrada was like, I'll do a fourth fight. In fact, he was like basically yeah. asking for a fourth fight against Gonzalez. Right. Do we need a fourth fight right now between Estrada and Chocolatito? 
I would say if Estrada has no other option, he was pretty adamant. You know, he had to give up two belts to get to this third fight. He had to give up the WBC belt, which he held since he beat Sorong Bisay in the rematch. He had to give up the WBA belt that he won from Chocolatito, regardless of how you had that decision. He said, you know, once I get this belt back, I want to get all the belts. So there is a straight shot. You interview Joshua Franco after the fight. He's going to, to, to Tokyo to fight Kazuto Aoka. The WBA and WBO belts are on the line. I know for a fact Joshua Franco absolutely wants to fight all those guys. Bam knows this because he was willing to let Joshua fight Gallo and Chocolatito ahead of him. He's even given up, you know, the belt that was at stake last weekend. So if if Joshua Franco wins, the matter is then can Mr. Honda convince Junto Nakatani, who's going to be owed the winner because of the WBO mandatory, get him to maybe stand down. Then Estrada can go unify three belts and then convince, okay, well, Chocolatito can go in, maybe get that fourth fight that way if Estrada, you know, prevails and all that. So yeah. I think if um, if, yeah, if Strat, I, I don't know if he's going to get Fernando Martinez. I know he has his own mandatory with the IBF. He's kind of on the PBC side. Maybe they deliver him. You know, who knows? But if he doesn't get that winner, then, yeah, we, we could see a fourth fight. And also, too, if Chocolatito wants to continue, you have to think about what his next options are. So, you know, if it's best business for both of them without, you know, stretching too far, why not do it again? Yeah. Look, I, I understand why Estrada wants that fourth fight it, it represents the biggest yeah. payday is going to get and w when Absolutely. you're in those smaller weight classes kind of what's been going on in boxing lately where you can make a lot of money to fight nobodies in the upper weight class yeah. that doesn't really exist in the smaller weight classes to make the most right. money you've got to take the most substantial fights and i'm sure estrada is looking at his yeah. bank account going we do it again i'm going to make <laughs> a significant amount of money probably more than i made uh for this fight as a fan right. and, and a watcher of boxing I don't know if I want to see it next. I wouldn't mind right. seeing Estrada go on to potentially face the winner of that Ioka versus yep. Joshua Franco fight. That's a pretty compelling fight. You could do that Absolutely. in the U.S., especially if it's Franco. You may be able to do it in Japan if it's Ioka. There's a lot right. of places and a lot of money to be made if you do a, a fight like that. And for Chocolatito, you know, he said something to me in the ring that struck me. And then the next morning, a couple members of his team brought this up again. Right now... Roman Gonzalez isn't really interested in legacy. Like, he feels like his legacy is secure, and he's right. He's one of the greatest little men of all time. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer no matter what happens the rest of his career. The only thing that is concerning Gonzalez right now is his bank account. So he'll be back if you give him high six figures to fight somebody, whether it is Joshua Franco in the U.S., Ioka in the UK, or even Estrada. I think he'd fight Estrada again if the money was right. But Chocolatito ain't going out there and fighting Fernando Martinez for a couple hundred grand. Like, that that's not going to happen. Like, at this stage of his career, from what I can gather from his people, he has no interest in doing that. So I don't think we've seen the last of Chocolatito, Jake. But somebody's going to have to come along with a big purse to get him back in the ring. He might only fight one time next year because the money just isn't uh, to his liking. In fact, I, I don't know. You probably know this. I, I don't know what the exact purses were for this fight for both those guys, but I can tell you there was some grumbling going on within Gonzalez's team about how much money they were making. They were they wanted even more than what they made for this fight. So I, I get the sense that he's going to wait this out and wait for some kind of mega offer from somebody to get him back in the ring. Yeah, and that was the whole thing with why Estrada even gave up his belts. He didn't want to, you know, settle for, obviously, it was a low purse bid by Golden Boy. They were going to, you know, try to make it up to him, but it just wasn't worth his while. So he was willing to wait out the Chocolatito. And Chocolatito said the same thing. Like, he wants, 
you know, the, the fights that are going to, you know, get, get him out of bed in the morning, I guess, so to speak. I keep thinking there's one fight that kind of interests me for Chocolatito if he can't get the fourth fight with um, Estrada. Why not a third fight with Sorungvisay? Because I think Sorungvisay is a little bit past it. Avenge that, you know, those. He, that's the only one out of the series that he hasn't beaten. He's 0-2 against him. It's just uh, Estrada is the only one who's beaten everyone in that Fab Four. So, you know, if Chocolatito needs like a time-marking fight, I think that's a safe one. Because I feel like once these guys venture out of that Fab Four, you kind of you're gonna see. I think they're all a bit past prime. Estrada is probably the only one left that has some of his prime left. I do believe like Chocolatito is in the twilight, and you know, I know he's not gonna fight Bam Rodriguez probably ever. They're very close, but like if he fought, you know, one of those young guns, they're gonna pick him off. You know, he had the perfect style to, you know, put. You know, we saw Julio Cesar Martinez in that mess of a co-feature. He's not, you know, stylistically the most pretty, you know, the prettiest fighter. So Chocolatito was able to exploit that when he was supposed to fight Estrada early this year, but. I feel like once, you know, if he has to fight any of these young contenders, even an Andrew Maloney type, I'm not sure he survives. And that's, it, it, like you said, it wouldn't damage his legacy. We'd both vote him in for the Hall of Fame right now if we could. But um, I, I just don't, not even fighting like someone like Junto Nakatani. I think stick within that Fab Four. If Sorungvise has anything left in his career, why not try to avenge those defeats? Yeah, that, that's, that could be a marketable fight. I think you'd like to see Sorungvisai get back out against somebody and get a win. You can, right. I don't know if you can make that fight with Chocolatito coming off the Bam Rodriguez just demolition. It just it just wouldn't right. be as marketable. If he comes back, knocks somebody out, all of a sudden you might be mm-hmm. able to make uh, a fight like that happen um, at this point. W- one more thing from, from this card. You and I were talking about young fighters basically during the broadcast at times. I kept walking over to you yeah. and Cliff Rolled over there <laughs> on Press Road to discuss certain yeah. things. Um, Diego Pacheco Real deal, man. Like, yes, real yeah. deal, this kid. Like, Eddie Hearn, and I've gone done a lot of matchroom shows, obviously, with the zone. You know, Top Rank's got a lot of guys that are hitting. They've got probably the best young... They do have the best young stable in boxing. But I think Eddie Hearn found something here in Diego Pacheco. Diego Pacheco, four wins in 2022. Caps it off with a knockout win over Adrian Luna, who... Thankfully, his corner threw in the towel because whoever that referee was was about to let that fight continue in that moment, and, yeah. and Luna would have gotten <laughs> killed. But Pacheco's 21 years old, and he is showing bone-crushing power. Now, you got to see him against yeah. better opposition. That's coming, uh, I think, next mm-hmm. year, maybe beginning right. in his next fight. But I-, I look at this kid as top three, top five prospect of the year and someone that mm-hmm. I think can be a real contender at 168. What do you think when you see Diego Pacheco? I'm with you 100% on that. And it seems like Matchroom and Papa Jose, they're all on the, that same page. Um, Jose Sr., he even said, like, he wasn't dismissing Luna, but I think he kind of saw what was coming just because of the development he's seen in Diego Pacheco. But he said, you know, we're going to step it up in 2023. He wants to get to that point where fighting, like, legitimate 10-round fighters, guys that, you know, maybe can, can stretch him a little bit and test him out. Eddie said maybe two more fights. I think they're going to plan to take him in the U.K. in the first quarter of 2023. And then he wants to get him to that contender level. Yeah, they're they're very excited about him, and and so am I. Um, I I'd like to pick him as prospect of the year. I think he's right there in the mix. The only exception would be like if you consider Frank Martin, if he's still a prospect, or maybe if he beats Michelle Rivera, he's a contender. But I mean, like I said, it's the fact that Diego Pacheco is right at the top of that class right now. I mean, he he yeah, twenty twenty three. He's um he's a contender on the rise. He's to me, he's a can't miss star. He you know um, a lot of people want to criticize Eddie for not being able to build fighters in the U.S., but you look at him, I, I think he has a lot more um, upside than someone like Austin Williams, who was also on the undercard, but that that's a guy that you could build into a big U.S. store. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, from Southern California, so uh, I know Matchroom doesn't do a lot of Southern California shows, but they could start, you know, next year. Yep. 
with Pacheco in some of those those fights. Um, I, I agree. Like, you know, Ammo Williams didn't look great on the prelims, but I think he's got potential. He's going to face Felix Cash, I guess, next year. Uh, Mark Castro, long way to go with him. He looks okay. But I think Pacheco's starting to separate himself from those young guys uh, in that Eddie Hearn stable. All right. Also, last Saturday, we had Tyson Fury in a extended sparring session with uh, <laughs> Derek Chisora, which is what we expected. Nobody expected Derek Chisora okay. to, to do anything. I, I never really had a problem with this fight, Jake, because Fury wanted to get out. Um, he, he couldn't get Joshua. He couldn't get Usyk. I mean, would people have been happier if he faced Otto Valin in a rematch? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, it wouldn't It wouldn't have sold as well as I'm sure Derek Chisora sold because Chisora is still a reasonable name in the UK and is coming off a difficult win, but a win nonetheless against Kubrat right. Pulev. So I don't want to get into that fight. That went exactly as, as I thought it was going to go. Um, but now we turn the page to 2023 with Fury and Usyk. Usyk was there. Uh, I, I love that he was there. I think that helps kind of push that fight over the finish line. Mm-hmm. It sure sounds like they want to do the fight in Saudi Arabia or somewhere in the Middle East. Um, right. You know, Give me a percentage right now. Like next fight for Tyson Fury, first half of next year. Is it against Alexander Usyk? I'm going to say this, and I can kick myself in the butt for not, I, of all the questions I asked Eddie this weekend, the one I didn't ask him about was, if Hergovich is serious about fighting for that, um, you know, he's the IBF mandatory. If, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to use him as leverage or if he's really going to To me, that's the wild card. If he pushes for that fight, then maybe it's a it's a hiccup. But I do like what Tyson Fury said before the fight, that if he fights Usyk, he doesn't care about Undisputed. He absolutely does not want to fight for the IBF title. He's not going to give him their money. He's still pissed off when they stripped him days after he fought Vladimir Klitschko. So that could be the out. Usyk maybe says, you know what, screw it. I'll let go of the IBF belt instead of fighting Hergovich. I, I'm going to throw it at 90%. I'm, I'm very optimistic we see that fight in 2023. Do you think the IBF would really get in the way of that? I mean, they they, they make exceptions for unifications pretty often, and they're they're now starting to screw around with interim belts. I mean, the, this <laughs> yes. this Boots Ennis fight for an interim belt, somebody's got to explain that to me since technically right. turns, uh, technically <laughs> Errol Spence is available. <laughs> Still not booked right. to fight yet. Exactly. Um, I, I feel like the IBF, you know, push comes to shove, they'll tell... Hergovich to mm-hmm. to take a seat or fight on the undercard or something, you know, other than push, other than strip and have Hergovich versus, I don't even know what the next man in line is. It is it still Jaylee Zhang at this point? They don't move guys around I, I, much yeah, in the be, IBF rankings. Right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of with you. And that's what I, I do wonder, like I said, if they're just kind of holding on to him as um as leverage at this point, because I, I maybe Hergovich is just never going to be ready for a title shot. So screw it. Why not fight Usyk now? But it just, I feel like I would like to see him once or twice more. I, I feel like there's a deal to be made. You know, maybe they're just using Hergovich, you know, to take some step aside money. And to me, with the sanction bodies, it seems like if both parties agree, that's when the sanction bodies kind of step back and say, okay, well, now we'll like, allow this next one to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, Hergovich, I think he would have to fight someone like Martin Bacoli for an interim title, which is, I mean, that's, you know, he's not the mandatory if he fights Martin Bacoli next. I'll, I'll tell you that. But um, to me, like I said, that's the only thing that's going to hold it up. If Eddie is very, Eddie and, uh, you know, the Saraland brothers, if they're serious about Hergovich fighting for that title, then Usyk would probably have to have a decision to make. If there's common, you know, they still haven't ordered the first bid yet. Eddie, you know, he said on the, the November 12th show, yes, the IBF ordered the fight and we asked for an immediate first bid. You know, we're at December 7th. There's still no uh, first bid. So I, I think there's a deal to be made and we do get that. Um, whether it's undisputed or they just fight each other, who cares? It's still the true championship at that point. I'd love to see Hergovich in a rematch with Jaylee Zhang. Like that, that was Absolutely. a good fight. And yeah, like, I mean, it's not 
Eddie's show, it would be a top-ranked Queensberry show over in the UK, but or, or, or in the uh, Middle East, wherever it winds up. But right. you could certainly see like a Middle Eastern government be interested in the Chinese-born Zhang and Hergovich yeah. in an undercard type of fight. That would be that would be compelling to me. I, I don't know if Hergovich's team would want that because that was a fight he almost right. lost. But yep. um, as far as compelling fights, probably the next one in line for for Philip Erkovich. All right, let's look ahead to this yep. weekend where Terrence Crawford is in action. <laughs> we knew Terrence Crawford was going to fight, although it has been one of the most bizarre promotions that I've seen in recent memory, Jake, because every interview Crawford does, it, like if he mentions David Avenesian, it's in passing. Like it's never a conversation <laughs> about David Avenesian. It's entirely about... Right why the Errol Spence fight isn't happening to the point where I was told like, you know, Crawford was being told like, don't do any more interviews this week. Right. If, you know, if, if all they want to talk about is Errol Spence, like we're, because yeah. it doesn't help the, 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 the pay-per-view or the people putting up money for it to have Terrence right. Crawford constantly talk about the fight that didn't happen. And for right. the perception to be disappointment that mm -hmm. this is a fight against David Avenisian. So I, I guess I'll start here. Is this a remotely competitive fight? Avanesian's won some fights in a row. Whenever he stepped up, whether against Lamont Peterson or or others, yeah. he's he's not performed well. Um, is this a competitive fight at this stage? I think it's more competitive than people are. People are just completely dismissive of David Avanesian because they remember, like you said, they remember him from the Lamont Peterson fight. They remember him getting cooked by you know Mean Machine. So he has the six fight win streak. It is kind of on that you know that domestic level over the you know the European level. Um, he, he knows he's in not, he's, he doesn't know he's in way over his head. We kind of know he's in way over his head, but, um, I, I think he'll be competitive. We've seen Bud struggle with guys where he doesn't completely get up for like, you know, me machine even had him hurt a couple of times. So he has those lapses and, you know, in, in fights like this. So, um, I, I do expect Bud to eventually get him out of there. I don't, you know, Avenician told me, he's like, I'm absolutely going to knock this. This fight's going to end in knockout. I'm going to get my seventh knockout in a row. Like, I, I agree with you. The fight's going to end the knockout. Um, I, I don't think it'll be a complete mismatch from from the opening bell, but um, I, I do think as the fight gets going, Avenation is going to realize, okay, this is not Kermin Leharaga, this is not Josh Kelly, you know, this this is a real fight. And but you know, he he's once he gets going, he's like a freight train rolling downhill. You know, I, I love the idea of Avenician against Virgil Ortiz when that was being discussed earlier this year. That made sense as right. a, a more competitive fight. I don't see this being, I just don't see it being competitive. But Avanesian is an aggressive fighter. And yeah. he's at some point, he's going to walk into something huge and something he didn't see Absolutely. coming. And he's going to get dropped and he's going to get hurt. And Bud's going to win. I guess yeah. the, the only question I have is, you know, Bud's been off for over a year. He's 35 years old. Right. He was hurt, you know, a couple of fights ago against Agus Kavalaskis. Yeah. Is, yeah. is there anything... Yeah, has he been diminished at all at this stage of his career? But if he's the Bud Crawford we're used to seeing, and he claims he is, um, he doesn't have a ton of miles on his tires because of the way the last couple of years have gone. I, I just don't see Avanesian being able to to hang with him. I, I mean, good, God, I, I don't. I generally don't weigh in on pay per view numbers or anything like that. But I mean, good luck with this one. Like, I, I just yeah. the promotion has been such just an abject disaster. It just has, and right. if. If the Progray Zapata fight was a bad pay per view, and and I've been told it was pretty catastrophic, um, I, yeah. I don't know how much better this one is going to be because nobody, 
Nobody's going into this fight believing it's going to be competitive. And as compelling as Bud right. Crawford is, like, you're just, you know, no one's paying 40. I know the, the money being a little bit lower is good. Like, that, that's a positive mm -hmm. for pay-per-view. I, I hope more people right. try that. But nobody's really paying for an appearance fee, you know, for a fight like this. I right. mean, it just, I, I just don't see it uh, at this point. So, no, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. It's it's just been such a bizarre promotion, like you said. And just the whole thing with, like, wanting transparency in the Errol Spence fight, but yet not getting any of it with, you know, the BLK Prime people. It's like, we still, you know, we know what we've read about those guys, but we're not getting any answers on that front. It's like, you know, Sam Kukowski's kind of been the only, you know, I'm not even going to say face, you know, the only voice. He in, is in the face. Promotion. He is, he is yeah, the right? face of it. Like, he's the manager <laughs> yeah. for Regis Progray is now the, the front man for BLK yeah. Prime. And I like Sam. And it's he, sort of just bizarre. Yeah, and, he, and he's usually the behind-the-scenes guy. You know, we both know, you know, he has a great relationship with the media. But, you know, we, you know, now it's the behind-the-scenes guy who's, you know, decided to take the lead because nobody else would. But, yeah, it's just been yeah. a bizarre one. I, you know what? I, I don't, you know, the the blame game has been played for these last few weeks. I, I don't even know. Like, nobody really knows, like, who right. should be blamed for the failure of Spence Crawford. I mean, Bud's got his fans and supporters. They back him to the hilt. The Spence fans, they're jumping up and down on Bud on social media. And he's obviously reading all of it because he's weighing in every, you know, right. 30 minutes on uh, with some kind of counter argument. It's just been crazy to watch him do Instagram lives. And then the two of them right. are arguing for hedge funds on social media. It's like, it's a clinic on what not to do after a fight uh, kind of falls apart. But I'll tell you this, I have never once blamed Bud Crawford for taking this fight. Like if he really mm -hmm. is guaranteed $10 million and supposedly half of the money is already in his bank account. If he is guaranteed $10 million, who the hell wouldn't take that right. to fight David Avanesian? <laughs> like, obviously you care about exposure if you're Bud Crawford, but you've been on ESPN for a long right. time. You care about legacy and all that. But if someone's going to write a check for $10 million to fight David Avanesian, you take it. You take it. And then right. and then you worry about the next fight after that fight is over. The, the problem with this, and this goes back to Pro Grey Zepeda too, like, the problem is is these people jumping into boxing with no coherent game plan. Like the the Marv Nation, the people behind Marv Nation that put Progress of Painted together, like people that were there told me there were like 5,000 fans in attendance. And as I said, the number for pay-per-view was was awful. Um, yeah. you know, and now you have, and I don't know what they're going to, they, they want to pay in two and a half million bucks just for that fight alone to, to, to Progress and Zepeda. And now you have this event which right. has got to be costing them, like, for the main event alone, $10, $11 million, depending on whatever yeah. Avanesian's getting. And, like, there's, there's no... This is the, the boxing equivalent of lighting money on fire. Like, I just... Yeah. And, and this is the problem. Like, when you have kind of these one-off newcomers coming into the game because boxing has no barrier for entry, it, it right. just... It kind of it kind of screws up things for, for other entities in the long term that are trying to build a sustainable business. And so it's good for, like, I can't blame Crawford one bit. I don't blame Progray right. one bit. I don't blame Zapata one bit. But these entities that are coming in with no game plan whatsoever, it, it yeah. hurts the overall business of boxing. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And that's always been, I mean, it's been the problem for years. It's like every time there's new money, the same people are always chasing it. You know, we know the promoters, we know the managers, they line their guys up right away. And then there's nothing left. It's like you pick all the meat off the bone. And then these guys, I, they have to know they're going to, you know, I think the BLK people know they're going to lose their shirt in this one. Like the theory was that if the show goes through, it that's the victory. 
And then it's on to Adrian Broner, whatever they got planned for him in February, which I've heard some very interesting names for him. I have too. Um, Let, let's let's do that for a second. I don't know how, how comfortable okay. I'll throw some stuff that I've heard. I've heard Roly Romero and Adrian Broner, mm -hmm. which would be one of the wilder promotions you can have. Right. Because they're just <laughs> yelling at each other forever. And, and I've heard a little about Prograde, but... I mean, Adrian Broner does not want to get into the ring with Regis Prograde. That is a bad, bad, bad yeah. idea. Yeah. So I was even telling them, it's like a, a broner Roley fight has to happen. If there's any chance of Roley, whatever, if he doesn't have anything going on at PBC right now, that has to happen. Um, I don't know if that's a name that's in the mix. Ivan Redcatch's name keeps popping up, which I don't even know if they think they could even sell that. One name I've heard, and I was told he's a free agent now. Um, Golden Boy has not confirmed this to me. Blair Cobbs. An Adrian Brown and Black Cops fight, that would be at least a fun promotion. I don't know. How, I, I think it would even be a competitive fight, I, you know. Yeah, that's actually, I haven't heard that name. Um, yeah. Blair at, it'd have to be at 147, which is where Brown 147, anyway. yeah. Like, yeah. Right, everything um, we've seen from him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's pretty good. I, you know, I'd, I'd probably favor Blair because he throws more punches, but Blair can also get caught. And, yes. and Broner still got some deceptive speed, but although he hasn't shown much power at 147 and above. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I could sell that. I don't think Red Catch is sellable. I think Blair Cobbs no. is sellable to the boxing people. I think Roly yeah. Romero would be even more sellable because Absolutely. they both just kill each other at these press conferences. Right. It might be a goofy fight, <laughs> but um, they'd kill each other. Yeah, that, that, there's a possibility with Broner, but you know, you start doing red catch, bad, yeah. pro great, terrible yeah. idea. Terrible idea. You, that, yeah. Your three-fight deal with Adrian Broner would go out the window if that was uh, done, because Broner would never be in boxing again if he fought uh, right. Preacher's pro great at that point. So but pro, we'll see. Yeah, pro great is a good mention, though. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, pro great is a good, good mention because obviously Sam is involved. So, you know, why not? And I, I've joked, Regis has been on every other platform. It just seems like the natural course of progression, he'll wind up on BLK. You know, he, he's fought everywhere else. Yeah, I, and I hope he gets some gets yeah. some money out of it. Um, you know, he, him being right. lost in the wilderness. I I, I did a <laughs> podcast last last week, and I, I talked a lot about Progray and kind of why mm -hmm. people weren't signing up. I got some calls from from promoters uh, who had mentioned that you know Top Rank being one of them had mentioned that they right. that there was an offer from Top Rank for Regis Progray a couple of years ago. He turned down. Uh, just a reminding right. that you know it's not just you know promoters ignoring Progray. Obviously, Matchroom too you know, was right. in the pro-grade business sort of when they were trying to make that hooker fight a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it'd be good to see pro-grade, you know, get uh, get a decent fight. Now that he's got a belt, he's at least got the possibility of, uh, of right. some of these good matchups uh, actually happening for him. All right, um, let's move on to to the fight. We have the fight we got this weekend. Teofimo Lopez against Sandor Martin at Madison mm -hmm. Square Garden. Martin, uh, a late replacement, but a pretty good one. Um, it was just last yep. year that Martin beat uh, Mikey Garcia in a big upset. Now he gets a chance to potentially secure uh, a second one. You know, you saw Teofimo's debut at 140 pounds, and a lot of people were critical of that. They thought he got hit too much. They thought he looked a little bit slower at 140. What did you think of Teofimo's first fight at 140, and what are you kind of hoping to see from him in this one? You know, in retrospect, it makes sense, especially when he said he admitted, you know, I, I think he admitted more so after the fact. He didn't really talk about it too much that he had a very short training camp going into that first fight. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, his first fight at 140. A lot of people didn't even know if he was going to go through with it. They didn't know where his head was at. That was always the biggest issue. It was just like him getting right mentally. So if it seemed like it took that that part of it was longer than he had the short camp. So it made sense that, you know, he had to, you know, get rid of a lot of rust and, you know, just get, get him, you know, himself back acclimated into the ring. So, I, you know, I, I do kind of forgive that. I do believe we'll see a better uh, Teofimo Lopez this weekend. 
I, I will say I don't think he's the same as what Mikey Garcia was in October 2021, where, you know, even at his absolute best, and he's a I don't know if he's going to make the Hall of Fame, but there is an argument, you know, maybe just barely. But he's always kind of had one foot out the door with boxing. So in that, you know, when we saw that last year, it was like the fight almost kind of never got going. And that absolutely worked to Sandor Martin's advantage. I don't see that being the case this weekend. I do love Sandor Martin's confidence, though. He is not shook. We saw the the, the photo shoot they had yesterday. You know, Teofimo's trying to get inside his head. And Sandor Martin had plenty to say. I don't know how well Teofimo Lopez speaks. I think he speaks Spanish, so we should have understood what Sandor mm-hmm. Martin had to say. But, yeah, he he's, you know, certainly sounded like he's here for another upset. These Spanish guys... Just brimming with confidence. <laughs> Carmona this past weekend against Julio Cesar Martinez. Carmona probably would have won that fight if he didn't bust his hand up in the middle round stop throwing left hands. Right. Uh, I, I like Sandro Martin's confidence as well. I agree with you that Mikey Martin was as much about Mikey as it was Sandro Martin. Like Mikey just Absolutely. wasn't into it. He's not a 147-pounder. Um it just, he was just, that that was his farewell. And Sandor Martin, to his credit, took advantage of it. Now he was able to cash in on it uh, because he won. I, I really didn't understand the criticism of Teofimo against Campa. Yeah, he, he got hit a little bit and uh, you know, maybe right. more than he should have. And a bigger puncher might have done a little bit more damage. But he still got him out of there in the seventh round. Right. You know, still won that fight by knockout. And like he's only going to get better as he stays active. The best Teofimo Lopez is an active Teofimo Lopez. And here he is back again, what, four or five months later uh, in a good fight, a high-profile fight coming after Mm -hmm. um, uh, the the Heisman ceremony. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to look great in this fight. I think he's going to reestablish himself as, you know, a top guy uh, in this weight class. The question I have now is how will top rank move him after this fight? Not to look past Sandro Martin, but I think he gets the win. And then it comes to where does he go from here? I think top rank... Their preference is to do Teofimo against the winner of Josh Taylor, Jack Catterall, assuming it is Josh Taylor who is their guy. Teofimo's been talking a lot about uh, Taylor as well. That fight, though, just got pushed back deeper into February. The interesting one to me, Jake, is Regis Progre. Um, I don't believe that it's we're going to get Progre Ramirez in the next fight. I don't think Jose Ramirez is going to take that fight. That's been relayed to me by a couple of people I think it's more likely you get Ramirez in some kind of tune-up fight um, before he goes on to a world title shot. If he passes, at least by the ever-fluid rules of the WBC, Teofimo Lopez would be next in line. And I've asked Teofimo, he's on the podcast after this, I've asked him, would he take that Mm -hmm. fight? He said, absolutely, I would take that fight. Do you think he's being truthful there? Do you think top rank would put Teofimo in with Regis Progre at this stage? I will say this. So I, I, I'm with you. I was always told that regardless of the WBC status, Josh Taylor was the fight he wanted. That had plenty of heat. They had plenty to say about each other. This was back when Josh Taylor and Catterall was supposed to fight November 26th. Yeah. That date's now been pushed back right to February. Now it's going to March. You know, they don't want to stack the pay-per-views over there. So if that pushes, if Taylor's fight is now pushed out of Teofimo's timetable, we just said, you know, a, an active Teofimo Lopez is a dangerous Teofimo Lopez. Maybe he absolutely wants that smoke. Maybe he does go after Regis, especially if it's a straight shot at Regis, too. He doesn't have to wait out a Regis fight with um with Jose Ramirez anymore. So, I, yeah, he's yeah, going to no, have to do I, something because yeah, anything else is a risk. He, he, you know, he's pretty made it pretty obvious. He doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to fight Rick Meridian's guys. He doesn't want to fight, you know, on a Barbosa. There's something very personal there. Where you know Rick keeps going after him, and Teofimo's like, "Well, you know, I'm just not going to give you guys any payday then." So, um, yeah, yeah, he's going to have to do something. I, I think if there, if he's, um, I don't know if ESPN can give him another stay busy fight to bridge that gap to get to Josh Taylor. 
So maybe he does just go straight for that second uh, title shot. He keeps saying he wants to be, look, he wasn't undisputed at lightweight, but you know, if he thinks he was, then he wants to, you know, become undisputed in two weight division. So the only way to do that is to start winning titles. I, when the, I agree with you, when the Taylor fight got pushed back again, yeah. it started to make me wonder, like, would Teofimo be willing to wait? Because a lot can happen. I mean, Taylor could lose to Catterall, and then that right. makes that fight completely obsolete. And Taylor could win and be like, you know what, screw it, I'm not staying at 140. I think it is likely he would stay at 140 because what's left for him at 140, or what's up there at 147? Like, do you really want to climb the ranks and let Boots Ennis kick the crap out of you or, you know, Virgil Ortiz right. or, you know, fights like that don't, don't make a lot of business sense for Josh Taylor. Um, yeah, but but if, if something goes wrong, if there's a cut, you know, that pushes it into the summer, like I can't see Teofimo sitting on the bench for six months. And, you know, Progre fight could be a pre- is a pretty marketable one. Like Progre talks a lot yes. of shit too. You know, Teofimo talks a lot. I mean, I, I would probably favor Progre at this point, mm-hmm. but if Teofimo goes out and blasts Sandra Martin out of there, we could be talking about Teofimo yeah. once again as the guy that beat Lomachenko. This guy that, you know, uh, the... the the, the Cambosis loss was an aberration. The Campa fight was just a shake up the rust fight. Here he is, right. five pounds heavier as a top guy. That's a, you know, I, I'm not sure if that's a pay-per-view on ESPN. That's a, a pretty attractive fight for ESPN to put on. No, I, I agree with you 100%. The only thing I'm thinking of is if, uh, you know, top rank is obviously moving towards uh, Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko. They want to keep that fight off pay-per-view. Now we're talking about spending a lot of money like in this first half of the year to put both of those fights on ESPN. As you said, it's probably maybe the payday would push it to pay-per-view. That doesn't necessarily make it a pay-per-view fight, though, a pay-per-view sellable fight. Um, The only thing I can think with Teofimo, if he bridges the gap, you know, assuming he wins this weekend, maybe he goes back to fighting Jose Pedraza if he's available. Maybe that helps him, you know, bridge that gap to get to Josh Taylor. If Josh beats Catterall and decides, okay, I'm going to stick around at a weight that would make sense, you know, to fight Teofimo because they're not going to fight at 147. So that, that's, that's, that's the only thing name. I could think. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I, you know, again, that, him, yeah. Good. Yeah. And then, you know, it's a matter of ESPN, you know, now you're dishing out two paydays because they were going to pay for, you know, Lopez and Pedrasa this weekend. They got Sandra Martin. Now you're going to have to pay him a lot of money to, to go fight Pedrasa to get to that bigger fight. You know, top ranks, it's not top ranks problem. That program will need someone to fight if he doesn't have Jose Ramirez. So, I like I said, if they are available and Teofimo looks like the Teofimo vault, I would love to see Progre uh, Teofimo next. But if not, I wouldn't be surprised to see Pedraza work his way back into the next. Yeah, I, I don't think Top Rank is interested in getting in the Progre business. <laughs> but if if uh, if Teofimo pushes yeah. for it and if that fight makes a lot of sense and could potentially be put mm-hmm. on pay-per-view, I don't know. And Stranger things have certainly happened uh, in right. boxing. All right, a um, couple things before I let you go. Uh, I've been widely reported on boxing scene. I was reporting it as well. Uh, yep. Ryan Garcia has effectively settled in on Mercito Gesta as his next mm-hmm. opponent. Gesta is the, the positives of Gesta is a two-time title challenger, which gives him something of a resume. The negatives is are uh, he's been relatively inactive. He did fight back in April, decent win against Joel Diaz Jr., but he had a lot of time off before that. Um, he was knocked mm-hmm. out two fights before that. He had a draw against Carlos Morales, uh, sandwiched in between. Um, so I, here's my take on this fight, like. This is kind of what I expected, right? Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. expect Ryan Garcia with Tank Davis in the offing in April to go out there and face a top guy at 140. I I didn't think that was going to happen. I look at Gesta, and I see a guy who's in the back end of his career, 35 years old, not a ton of power, does have some knockouts, but not a ton of power, especially not at this level. Um, And he's a southpaw. He's a 5'6 southpaw, which at least mirrors the kind of dimensions right. you're likely going to get 
from Gervonta Davis. I think when compared to the fight that Davis took against Hector Luis Garcia, this looks bad. But it's mm-hmm. not because Garcia, Hector Garcia is a good, it's a good fight. That's a pretty good interim fight for, for Gervonta Davis. Um, but it's not what I, it's what I expected. And I'm actually kind of okay with it because, you know, mm-hmm. assuming both guys, the key is getting these guys through these fights so we can get to right. April and get one of the biggest fights in boxing. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Um, I I I'm, I wasn't mad at it either. I know, they, you know, every time a Golden Boy fighter is there, like, okay, maybe he fights Jorge Linares. So fortunately, Linares <laughs> has a fight scheduled because then they were like, well, if he if he gets out of the fight unscathed, I'm like, if Jorge Linares is unscathed, he's not getting out of it unscathed, even if he wins. There's there's no way. So that that would have been terrible. I know Hector Tanahara's name I think came up. That was a possibility. That would have been that would have another one that would have after watching Tanahara against Zapata, that would have been one yeah. that Ryan could have won right. pretty easily. Yeah. And exactly, we know we're not fight. He's not fighting someone like Williams of Payton next. So I, I'm perfectly fine with this. Like you said, you know, just dimension wise, and you know, it, you know, fighting a lefty to, to get to Tank, he doesn't fight anything like Tank. But you know, it's kind of a sparring session to get ready for April. I, I'm fine with it. I, I I'll be in Texas. I love going to fights in Texas. So um, I do as, as long as that venue holds up. I believe it's going to be the same place where they had um, the Misfits Boxing, uh, mm-hmm. the Moody Center. So it's a fun venue. So. Um, you know, Ryan, he, he's doing big business in Texas. So I, I I like this as a stay busy fight. So it's not, you know, it's nothing sexy. It's acceptable. Love that it's in Austin. Big Austin. Fan. Yes. Like I'm, I'm down for, that might be a, a Tuesday fight week arrival for me <laughs> to get <in> there <laughs> yes. a yeah. little bit earlier uh, than usual. Um, I mentioned Tank Davis, who had his press conference for Hector mm-hmm. Garcia. All credit for Tank for taking this fight. I mean, if you make a yeah. top 10 fighter of the year list, the chance Hector Luis Garcia winds up on it because of the two wins he had, yeah. um, uh, you know, against Chris Colbert, which was a quality win, against Roger Gutierrez, which won him a legit title. Yeah. Um, and Tank Davis didn't have to take someone on this level, but he did. And and I give him yeah. all the credit in the world for that. I did find it interesting, Jake. It, it We finally got the answer to the question, is Tank Davis still with Mayweather Promotions? No, he is not, at least not for the moment. Yeah. Tank Davis, yeah. in interviews after, said, uh, you know, thank you to Mayweather Promotions, but... I'm going to go my separate ways, uh, my separate way. Um, mm-hmm. Do you? What information do you have about kind of this decision? And did it surprise you at all to see a, a Mayweather slash Leonard Ellerbe less tank at this press conference? Um, it, it didn't surprise me. It kind of surprised me only because at one point, I think it might have, I'm not going to say who it was, but at one point it was suggested that Mayweather was still involved in this uh, negotiations at some point. So that's the only part of it that surprised me. Like, why would they bring up his name if they weren't involved? I got the sense they were never involved at all. So uh, absent that, no, it didn't. Because even back in May, like, you know, it was put to me that like, even though uh, like Leonard wouldn't be Tank's promoter anymore, everyone at PBC still kind of does business together. So the sense was that maybe there would be some involvement. I do like the way Tank handled it after the press conference. You know, he didn't slam him. He thanked, you know, he understands Floyd's on his own mission which a lot of people aren't crazy about the stuff he's doing. But, you know, he's always appreciated, you know, what Leonard has done for his career. So he handled that part classy. Um, I'm fine with that. I like the fact, like Tank, he's in full control of his career. That, you know, it's, um, we hear these shell promotions and we're like, oh, you know, it's just, you know, a fake name or whatever. It's really someone else pulling the strings. Tank did, always did have an infrastructure. He has fighters signed to the the GTT promotions label. You know, Rayvon, uh, Little John is running it. He's got Lauren Chavakin, you know, handling the, the publicity and all that. So there is an actual infrastructure in place. And he just seems happier. You know, he's like, he's in full control. Like this feels very different than like when he's just appeared in DC. Now he's the show. He's literally running the show in DC. He's the star of the, of the event and he's, you know, everything's in his control. So, um, 
whatever beef there is, if there's any beef with with Mayweather, I know he's tweeted some stuff. You know, he's done his tweeting and deleting. Um, I I think he's going to find a way to suppress that and just you know move forward. Like he's not going to carry all this negative energy. He'll just he's going to be fine moving forward with his career. And then we just got to see what where Mayweather promotions uh, goes. I guess maybe it was a little surreal to not see him involved, just because you know they helped you know build him up to become this big superstar that he is. He's obviously had you know the, the biggest part to do with it. But um, you know, I'm happy for him. I, I am more curious to see where Mayweather promotions goes from here. Cause, you know, if if Roley's still on the, the roster, you know, maybe that's, you know, I, I I don't know if he can drive an event. He's more of a B side, but yeah, that's um weird. Uh, it was weird, like, you know, TGB, I guess they will get more involved as it gets going, but this was this was the Javante Davis show on uh, on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess my question is, does it tangibly change anything? when it comes to Gervonta Davis. Obviously, the business side changes, mm-hmm. but are we now looking at a Gervonta Davis that is more likely to be in cross-promotional events? I mean, the clip that's haunted Mayweather promotions for years now is when Floyd yeah. got that press conference and said, we ain't doing fights outside of our circle. I'm paraphrasing a little bit there, but he effectively yeah. said, we're going to keep things in-house, which opened... Mm-hmm. Gervonta up to enormous criticism because it kind of played out that way. They never really looked outside the the PBC universe. Meanwhile, as 135 heated up, Gervonta, even though he was making a lot of money and popular, was on the outside looking in. And you you talk to certainly more people around him than I do, but I've always heard that that bothered Gervonta. Like the, the idea that these guys were actually taking real fights and Gervonta was kind of this appearance guy that people came to see Gervonta and didn't really care about uh, about who he was fighting. Do you think that there this represents a tangible change? Because Gervonta is still represented by Al Heyman. Like that Al Heyman, right. who is still the most powerful figure in Gervonta Davis's boxing world, remains right. in place. Do you get the sense that in the second half of this year, we're going to see Gervonta Davis maybe going up against Devin Haney, maybe taking on a Shakur Stevenson, mm-hmm. you know, being in the kind of fights people want him in. Even if he doesn't get those fights, I, I, I'm with you on this path. I believe he's going to be a lot more vocal about making those fights happen because he's even admitted that he's always in a position where he never asked for opponents. He just, you know, he showed up. He said, oh, they told him this is who you fight. And he's like, okay, fine. So obviously he gets in these beefs with people, but now he's in a position where he can say, well, Al, this is who I want to fight. Whether or not Al says yes, that's that's another matter. But yeah, I, I do believe Javante, he's going to be sincere. He finally, you know, he wanted this Ryan Garcia fight last year. He got it now. So, and credit to Ryan for, you know, doing his part to make sure it happens. So if, you know, if Devin and Shakur and those guys, if, you know, they, they're going to get their side, you know, as cooperative, then yeah, we will see those fights. But I do definitely believe, you know, at least Javante, he's confident now that he can take the lead on that. You know, once he's done with this and if he gets through Ryan Garcia, which I, I think he will. Um, then yeah, he's gonna, he has a straight path to say, this is who I want next. Not, can I have this guy next? Oh, you think he gets through Ryan Garcia? I'm not so <laughs> sure. I, I have been, I, I've been more a critic of Tank's opponent choice than I have Tank. Like I, look, he's obviously mm-hmm. a star and he's powerful and he's good and all that. I just, right. I can't get on board. You know, you know, some people put Tank in the top 10 pound for pound. I think that's wild. Like you got to beat somebody to be in the mm-hmm. top 10 pound for pound. I, I just need to see him beat someone other than, you know, Jose yeah. Pedraza or somebody, you know, somebody I yeah. see him beat somebody on a high level. And I think Ryan, look, I've always said this first guy to land wins in that fight. Like it yes. just bombs away with those two. And Ryan's yeah. got the power. And I don't think tanks ever been hit by anybody like Ryan and Ryan probably mm-hmm. has not been hit by anybody with the power of tank either. So I think, 
I, I think that's a coin flip type of fight. I might be in the minority mm-hmm. there, but I think that's a coin flip uh, type of fight. I did, last thing on Tank, I did find, yeah. you know, when he released that email that Eddie Hearn sent him, offered him 10 million bucks <laughs> to fight Ryan, I don't think that was the Eddie Hearn own he was looking for. <laughs> Like, right. like he was offered $10 million. Like, and that right. was a guarantee. Like I'm sure there were pay-per-view upside to that potentially as well. Like I kind of read that and people were like, oh, you know, Eddie trying to steal tank or whatever. But like he got offered $10 million. Like, you yeah. know, Eddie has this habit of doing this. Like I think he sent the same email to like Jamal Charlo as yes. well years yep. ago, like emailing guys directly. But like if I'm Javante, I'm not reading that and going, oh, this is dumb. I'm reading that going like a $10 million guarantee to fight Ryan Garcia. I got to at least consider yeah. that. And I heard him say one other thing was like, I think somebody asked him about cross promotional stuff. He's like, he mentioned Eddie and then he kind of paused and was like, I don't know. I don't, I just want to make sure I don't burn bridges. You know, the bridges yes. that he has right now. But I do like the idea that it seems like in Gervonta's head, you know, opening up the world to, to other promoters and other, another universe is seems to be the seed is planted there. I think. Yeah, I'm with you. The thing I found funnier about that was people saw that, you know, with Javante posted and they're like, oh, uh, Eddie's trying to steal Ryan Garcia. I'm like, no, he just wants to be involved in the fight. And yeah. Tank is the one who's tweeted, I'm not on paper with Mayweather. He even said that PBC, you know, didn't have paper on him. So if you're a promoter and you're reading that, like, okay, he's a free agent. I'm going to make an offer. I don't see anything wrong that Eddie did in that situation. So, no. yeah. <laughs> and not, I did want to back up. Ryan. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So, and I did want to back up on my prediction. Look, yes, I'm picking Tank in the fight. It's a 52-48, maybe 53-47. I just feel like with Deontay Wilder, when he fights, you wait for that right hand to land. With Tank, it's like at some you could be outboxing him, which he never has been outboxed to that extent. Just once he lands, man, it's just tough to pick against that power. You say the same thing about Ryan, though. Like, I mean, I remember, is, yeah. remember, like it's 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 a much lesser level. Remember when yeah. there was like all this, like Ryan's scared of Romero Duno, like didn't want to fight him, blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. he comes out and Romero Duno just walks into a bomb in the first round to the point where yeah. because that happened and it wasn't a competitive fight, we had to stretch the Canelo uh, Kovalev yes. pay-per-view start for like an hour. <laughs> We're sitting up right. there doing like a round table with Keith Eidek for forever. Yes. It was like, that took a while. But like, I, I think, you know, Gervonta, has got the power to, to put Ryan on his back I think Ryan's got that power too. That speed mm-hmm. is almost incomparable. Very few yeah. fighters have the kind of speed that Ryan Garcia has. And that that's that's what makes this fight great. That's why I'm like, just please, I don't Absolutely. care. You could Mercedo Gesta, Hector Tanahara, I don't give a damn. Just get him in the ring. Right. Let him shake the rust off. I kind of wish, Jake, that the fight was at a lower weight because I want to see Ryan mm-hmm. start to make his way back down towards that 136 yes. limit that it's at. But whatever. He and Joe right. Goosen, they, they, they know his body. They figured it out. And we'll go from there. All right, last thing for you. Um, we got to talk about Demetrius Andrade making an appearance on the podium. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. is is he the opener of the pay per view undercard? Is he that is. what I'm understanding? Yes. He's the opener. Taking the on Demond Nicholson. Yeah. yeah, he is mm-hmm. now. Uh, it'll be I think what uh, 14 months uh, when he gets back in the ring from that knockout win over yep. Jason Quigley. Um, he dropped his middleweight title since then. He's campaigning at 168. He was saying a lot of the same things that I've heard for years after the press conference. Bring me Jamal Charlo. He's the guy I want. Blah right. blah blah. Um, at the very least, Jake, he's with the right people now to, to make these yes. big fights. Like if you're trying to make fights against Jamal Charlo, David Benavidez, Caleb Plant, you are now with the right promotion. So what do we know yeah. about like Android standing within the PBC universe? Do you think this is a one-off? Is this part of like uh, a multi-fight situation? And is this the year that Demetrius Andrade gets a real fight? 
Yeah, I was gonna say it, it took for you to finally give up on Andre Charlo for that fight to so now become a reality again. So poor you. Now you gotta, you know, go through this all again in 2023. <laughs> so and I do believe we get that fight because I just don't know what else there is for Jamal Charlo, even within PBC Universe. I don't know if he gets the winner of Caleb Plant and David Benavides. So, I, look, yeah, everything seems to be in place. You know, Charlo, I don't know if he's going to fight Carlos Adamas. That's, you know, who he's going to have to fight at some point because that's his mandatory. Why not finally go fight Android? Especially, you know, Showtime and PBC have been able to reel him in, you know, on their side of the street, so to speak. So um, I, I am happy just to see, you know, Android surface. It's starting to make some of these crazy business decisions uh, make sense. It's like, I'm not sure I would, you know, he knows better than we do, but giving up as much as he's given up to be the opener of a pay-per-view, it's a strange decision, but it's the opener of a Tank Davis pay-per-view. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's getting a little bit more visibility. Maybe PBC has promised him, okay, we can get you a fight now. We can get you. I do like that he's starting the year, you know, he's fighting in January. That gives hope, you know, if they have the budget, maybe get him back in April or May. And then that puts him on the calendar of, you know, to fight the the plant benefit is winner. I, I'm still holding out hope that it's going to be, we're not going to get the unification, but we'll get Andre Charlo at 168. Oh, 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 don't <laughs> yeah. tease me on that one. <laughs> tease me on that. Yeah. It, it would be amazing but, um, if that happened. Yeah. Uh, right. And he is at the right weight now, too, because now that he's at 168, PPC does have a lot of stock at, at super middleweight. So there's going to be plenty of opportunity for him there. It's not just, okay, well, he's going there with a middleweight belt and Charlo's your only option. He he can he can have his pick of litter at, at 168. He could do a lot. I mean, he could fight David Morell yeah. for that make-believe belt yes. that Morell's got, um, winner or loser yeah. of Plant Benavidez. But Charlo still makes the most sense. Like, Charlo's out there, you know, he's, yeah. he's doing some, he's weirdly, like, challenging Dimitri Bivol at, at, at events. It's like, what, what are you doing? Bivol's not going to fight you. And, yeah. and doesn't really have, as far as I know, has nothing on the books. He said he was coming back in February. I've heard nothing of that, of right. a potential opponent, mm-hmm. in February at least. Um, yeah. And he's still holding that WBC belt, which it might be two years before he defends it uh, since he Absolutely. beat Montiel in June of, of that year. But look, yeah. 160, 168, 175, I don't care. Give me yeah. Charlo Andrade. <laughs> I've already told people at Showtime I'll be happily happily be a unpaid like contributor if you need me just like right. to give some context behind this rivalry. I will just Absolutely. show up, I'll stare at a camera, and I will tell you why this is the biggest fight in boxing, baby, which is exactly what I said Absolutely. in November right. of last year. Uh, good stuff. Uh, Jake, always appreciate your time, man. Great work. Read yes. Jake's stuff on Boxing Thank Scene. You. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, appreciate you joining me, man. Thank you, Chris. Always a pleasure being on the show. And when we come back, my conversation with Teofimo Lopez. So if you're looking to get more out of the NFL this season, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and incredibly easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to touchdown scores to over-under yards, you name it. So many more exclusive bets, like both teams to complete their first pass attempts. You can bet on virtually anything going on uh, in these games. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Maryland. Marylanders, make sure you get in on the action with great offers just for you. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in free bets when you join FanDuel with promo code BOXING. You bet with me with boxing, bet with me with the NFL. It's a great way to make those games matter a little bit more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Teofimo Lopez is the former 135-pound champion. He is now 1-0 and 
at 140 pounds and will go for his second straight win on Saturday when he takes on Sandor Martin at the theater at Madison Square Garden. That's a fight you could watch on ESPN immediately after the Heisman ceremony. And Teofimo is back on the show. So, Teofimo, you just telling me you're feeling pretty good right now headed into this fight. I am. I am, man. I'm, I'm truly uh, excited about the, this uh, upcoming fight against Sandor Martin. You know, um, he has definitely the skill sets to give me a tough fight, and I'm looking forward to really uh, challenging myself come December 10th. So why are you excited about this particular fight? Well, this was the fight that we wanted at the time because everyone else was uh, occupied with other uh, dance partners, you know, and, um, you know, so this was the best opportunity. You know, this is somebody that definitely came out of a, you know, he pulled a big upset, you know, he kind of, disrupted a little bit of the boxing game and um you know this guy came out of the bloom you know he beat a decorated uh fighter one of the best mexican fighters that we've seen of this era mikey garcia four divisional champion um and you know he he did what he had to do so i think this is a great great step up i'm glad that things turned out the way it did and um you know you know we wish nothing but the best for jose pedraza we wish him health you know uh, we understand he had non-covid symptoms but this was the guy that we originally wanted and we got him yeah, I was at that fight in Fresno when Martin beat Mikey Garcia, and that was as shocking an upset as I've seen in a while. I mean, Sandro Martin, I think, was like 25-1 to 1 as an Jeez. underdog, and, and he pulled it off. I mean, when, when you went back, in, and I'm sure you've watched it at some point, but when you saw how he fought in that fight, what did you think? Um, you know, that's interesting that you asked that, though, because uh, we were actually going to the fight to see it live you know first mm -hmm. day. and then that's when uh me and Devin Haney and, and our fathers had uh scruffles you know that's when we were going back and forth face to face um but you know you know when we got there we got there a bit too late and they announced the winner uh when it came to all the fights and everything and his style uh my coach you know my father he's watching him uh really keeping the keeping the real insights of what he has that we could really uh uh how can I say um have an advantage on and, uh, you know, what I could say is that what he capitalizes a lot is he likes the ropes. You know, that's his uh, defensive mechanism to to keep on. So there's a lot of things, but, you know, everyone needs to just tune in, you know, on ESPN, you know, so that you guys can see what we really can do to fighters like that as well. That's right. That was the the day when you and Devin Haney were going back. I wound up in the middle of that somehow, you know, <laughs> trying to to figure out how to make that conversation work. Uh, it's, we don't need to talk about that now, but you two have to dance at some point. You and Devin, 140 pounds, whenever Devin gets up there, that has to happen, right? Absolutely. You know, listen, I'm at the 40 division. We, we understand that Devin is going to eventually move up to 140 as well. So, you know, listen, sorry for the wait. Everyone just has to wait and see, you know, with time. So you're coming off your first win at 140 against Pedro Campa. How did you feel about that performance? Um, you know, like just cleaning up the ring rust. That's all it was. You know, you know, there's certain things that I know that I had to take with me uh, to understand that you know it's just part of the game. You know, I haven't really fought consecutive like how I am now since 2019. You know, I was fight. I would fight like two to three times. You know, um, and and then after the pandemic hit and everything, I was only fighting once a year. You know, so that definitely uh, slows down the momentum. It slows down my consistency on what I, what we're trying to do. So uh, this time around, when I came into facing Kampa, you know, tough veteran, and then, you know, after what happened in 2021, you know, I blew my whole organs out inside, you know, my intestines, like basically everything inside. And and what does that do? You know, um, 
I just made me realize I got to just uh, train harder, fight harder. And uh, that's what I performed that night. You know, I just had fun. You know, I miss that. I miss having fun in my in my sport. You know, uh, for four years, for four years, I wasn't having fun. And look what I did in those four years. So imagine now I'm having fun. My body's comfortable. My my body's finally happy. Like, okay, finally, bro. I wanted this two years ago. Now we're getting it now. So don't worry. We just stay active. And, and that's why you guys are going to get the best version of Teofimo now. Why, why are you having fun now and maybe you weren't having fun before because you were very successful uh, over the last four years, quickly rising to to world champion at 135, beating Vasily Lomachenko. Why now do you say you're having fun? Because now I'm, I'm, I'm giving everything my all to the sport. I'm not dividing it. I'm not giving my time to, to, uh, to, you know, my family and to my spouse or anyone like that. I'm, I'm, I'm literally giving it to, to my sport. You know, uh, having fun with it, the thing that really created my life, you know, the thing that saved my life, really. You know, so those are the things. Boxing saved my life. And I, all I could do now is just really take that in into consideration. You know, I had to learn, you know, my failures are, are what's going to bring my successes out even more. So, yes, I'm glad that everything turned out the way it did. You know what I'm saying? Before, when I was younger, I did not like it. You know, I didn't. I hated failure. I hated it with a passion. And of course, I'm not happy with it if I fail now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying though, it's not failure. What it, what it is really, it's um, it's the consistency of understanding that you only really fail when you quit. And and I've turned I've I've turned the table on that now, and it, and it's made me realize, and I've been staying more positive because of it. Yeah, and and look, I don't pretend to be able to know what you were going through a year ago, which is around around what it was when you had that Cambosis loss, but. Having covered you for a long time, you could tell you were going through a lot, you know, going into that fight, like emotionally, mentally, physically, of course, going into that mm-hmm. fight, getting down to that weight. Um, from a mental perspective, from a where you are at personally perspective, how different are things for you now compared to what they were a year ago? Huge difference, man. I feel like I, um, to be honest, man, last year I died twice, man. <laughs> you know, I, I literally died twice twice just so i could come back uh, this third time and do it right you know that's that's really what happened you know i had to go through these uh dark times and rough times i think we all go through them but it's it's, it's not about how we go through them it's how we come out of them and uh and i think that was just really that key factor i think it was really i let everyone else dictate how i should move my life when i think i'm doing i think i'm doing just right you know, with my decisions and the thing, I don't know everything, you know, I'm not supposed to. However, I feel like I carry myself well enough to know that at least with this, the sport that I do with these hands, because I'm not trying with these hands, I know I can handle myself. And if I can handle myself with these hands and I, I should handle myself up here as well. And that was a big difference maker, but I had to really settle it in. Listen, uh, um, you know, that was, that was it, you know, and, and training harder. My purpose really is that it's like the more I'm in the gym, the more I stay crazy in this, you know, I go in, I go in, you know, um, it's going to really set the tone for me to, to, to greater heights. Did you feel after the camp of fight, there were things that you had to clean up in the gym? I, I saw a lot of people suggested maybe you were hit a little bit too much in that fight. I mean, I was ringside for it. I thought you, pl- you performed pretty well. You did have to shake some rust off and you were getting used to, to a new weight. But when you assessed the way that you fought, were there things you have worked on over the last few months getting ready for this fight? Uh, absolutely. I work on 
I work on perfecting my craft every time. You know, uh, the thing was, like Bruce Lee says, you know, he doesn't fear the man that knows 10,000 kicks. He fears the man that has practiced one kick 10,000 times. And and that's what I did this whole year. This whole year was a turnaround. I practiced on one thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know, and that was the whole key. It was just, uh, it was that. These things teach me. But I, how did I learn? How did the greats like Jordan, how did the greats like, like, like uh, Tyson, Mike Tyson, how did the greats like Tiger Woods, how did they become great and greater? They had to fail. And, 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 and people are so, they shy away from it. And, and I, allowed, I allowed others around my circle to even get to me. You know, like that was the problem. You know, now it's a difference maker. I'm setting the tone. I'm actually going to be the one, the frontier to say, you know what? Yes, this is my team. But when I go in that ring, it is just myself defending my team. So I got to go out there and put on a show. I'm the leader of this new generation. I, I spoke on this before and I'm going to continue to speak on it because no one is willing to step up to the real truth. And no matter what it takes, no matter how many cuts I have to go through, I'm willing to take them for uh, the right yeah. reasons. You're right about failure, too. I mean, everybody points to the Michael Jordan finals record. What they don't talk about is the number of times you got beat in the first round during the 1980s when Larry Bird and you know others Absolutely. were kicking his ass during that time. And he learned from that, and he got better from that. And in boxing, we, we do this too much where we, we put too much emphasis on one loss. Only one all-time great has the perfect record. Everybody else has... Five losses, 19 losses in the case of Sugar Ray Robinson, who is maybe the greatest fighter of all time. It, it just, what, it's crazy. And what fighter, and what do we always receive as fighter of the year? We receive the what? Sugar Ray Robinson mm -hmm. award mm -hmm. with the, with the brass and all that, you know, cause I have one myself. So I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of that, you know, but that, he, that's what it is. And look, that's why everything happens for its reasons. God does not make no mistakes with any of us. No one else took the chance. I did. So what did that come to terms with? You got to take this defeat too, champ. You know why? Mm -hmm. You're going to change the narrative that Floyd put on everyone else. I love you, Floyd. And it's no, no hard feelings. It's just really, it's a new era. And, and, and everyone has an era. This right now is my era. And then my era is going to pass. My time is going to pass. But I, I'll be damned if I don't give it to the next guy that's going to take up. That's mm -hmm. what it's about. You pass the torch. But that's why we call ourselves the takeover because they wasn't passing the torch no more. They wanted to keep it. Now the takeover said, F this, and I'm grabbing this torch, whether it burns my hand or not, and we're going to keep holding it on until the next guy comes up. These next generation, these next kids that are out there that's, that's working their butt off, that's listening to this right now, stay in the gym. You know, work your butt off. Don't tell, don't, anyone that tells you you can't do something is because they're scared of you. They can't do it themselves. You know, when someone says, I can't do something, it's like, no, you can't do it. I can. And I will. And I am. Those terms. It's, it's, it's like, uh, Steve, it's like uh, Steve Harvey said. Instead of saying, I have to go to work. No, I get to go to work. There's mm -hmm. a big difference in just one word. Our tongue is very powerful. And I can't wait to put on a show. I can't wait to really, look, we can't, like, I'm going to phrase this. We can't just act no more we must do and december 10th all this that i'm talking about is not going to be anything unless i do what i got to do against this guy sander martin and i promise you i'm a fool I'm, I'm gonna hurt him so bad because <laughs> it, it needs to be it needs to be heard 
You get what I'm saying? I don't need anyone to listen to me no more. It needs to be heard. And then that's what I'm going to bring to the table. Listen, man, I have everything in my power to beat these guys. And all I got to do is just stay in lane with myself. And I love the platform for you, too, which you fought on this day before, right after the Heisman Trophy. There's so many people watching. It's such, it's just such a great opportunity. I know that money matters the most in boxing, but getting all yes. those eyeballs on you, like that, that is huge. That it really is long-term, only going to help the, uh, the growth uh, for you. Before I let you go, you're in what I think is at least top three divisions in all of boxing right now. 140 is really good. It's going to get even better in the next couple of years as guys move up. What does the Teofimo Lopez hit list look like? What is like? What are you eyeballing the most um, in 2023? Well, God willing, uh, the whole game plan for this one, uh, God willing, you know, I come out healthy in this fight, no injuries. Uh, we capitalize on that, and we uh, focus on three fights next year. You know, we're looking at somewhere April, May. Um, and then in the summertime and then back MSG Heisman night, you know, these are my mm-hmm. things, you know, it took me a while. It took me two years to make this my night. Well, actually longer. We're in 2022. It took me, I would say, uh, four years. It took me four years. It took me four years to get to Heisman night to become my night. And mm-hmm. you know what? That's great. It took me those times for a reason. And it takes everything built. Rome wasn't built in a day. You know what I'm saying? So my, my hit list is Josh Taylor. You know, we want him in the UK. We want to fight him, you know, and the, and, and may the best man win against Catero and him. Um, and then after that, we definitely want pro grace, you know. I know these guys, listen, uh, these guys could talk all they want. But like I said, the words and the tongues are powerful. When they say if and when they say maybe, that's just cockiness. That's not confidence. When I said my father said I was going to beat Lomachenko, I agreed with him. I said, yes, we will. And what we did, we beat Lomachenko. There's a big difference. And you know what? That's something that they can't they can't they can't learn you know you can't even teach that you either have it or you don't you know so that's why these guys even push like uh i don't know if i could be at this weight anymore you know because the takeover is coming in and they know it and we're gonna come and take everything that they thought they could have and that's become two-time undisputed world champion um and 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 you know i have a surprise for everybody after the fight you know i'm gonna call out some names that that people are definitely gonna want to see i mean the, the names you mentioned are great like that that's a hit list in a half right there that is fighter of the year type stuff again in 2023 if you if you get through those fights i'm curious though what happens with like taylor i assume he'd stay at 140 to fight you because it's not a lot there for him at 147 but I, if jose ramirez who i don't think is going to fight progre in for his next fight like no. if he backs out you're the next mandatory for for I'll that fuck, fight, I, you're the I'll fuck. I'll fucking take that fight instantly. <laughs> That's that was my question. Like, would you take that if if presented? Absolutely, right absolutely, absolutely. What? <laughs> Heck yeah, I'll be a world champion right away. What are you talking about? Right after this, this is it. You know, God's plan, not mine. You know what I'm saying? So this is all about just uh, staying consistent. Really, you know, these guys got a these guys got a handful with me. You know, and they know it. You know, they're all they're all wolves, but I'm a sheepdog. <laughs> I'm a sheepdog, and I'm I'm coming for everybody. You know what I'm saying? This is how we do it, and we do it with love, peace, and 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 just fighting. We fight, we fight to death. You know, and that's what it is. I I think the thing that these guys don't understand is that: Are you willing? Are you truly willing to die for this? Because I am. And if I didn't show it against the Campa fight or the Cambosis fight, then you got something else to see then. 
Well, Teo, it's great to have you back, man. Great to have you active again, fighting for the second time in just four <laughs> months. Uh, we'll see. Hey, everybody mad right now. I don't blame them. <laughs> Shit, I don't blame them. I'll be mad if I, was, if I wasn't if I was Teofimo either. Look, we headlining Madison Square Garden. Shout out to my MSG fam. Shout out to the staff members and everybody ar- across the board. Listen, man, I'll say it like this, man. I'm so thankful. I'm grateful. This is all my fruits of labor. This is all from the hard work and the cuts and the bruises and just doing it. No, there's no right way. There's no wrong way. Just doing it hard. That's it. Mm. Just taking it in for what it is. Swallowing those hard pills that you got to swallow. Swallowing my pride, swallowing my ego, and just understanding that this is what it's got to be. That's it. You know what I'm saying? So nobody else wants to do it. Everybody wants to look rich. Now, nah, I'm trying. Teofimo wants to be wealthy. <laughs> well, Teofimo Lopez, Sandor Martin, Madison Square Garden, Heisman Night on ESPN. We'll see you there, Teofimo. Good luck, buddy. You got it. Thank you, Mannix. And when we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. This is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, time now for this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. Not a great week for me last week. I'll cop to that. 
right away. I told you to take Chocolatito by decision. Juan Francisco Estrada beat him. Close fight, but Estrada deserved that decision. Probably should have known better after Estrada got the benefit of the doubt from the judges in their last fight, but the combination of how good Chocolatito looked against Julio Cesar Martinez, plus how bad Estrada looked against Argy Cortez, I just thought Chocolatito was going to pull it out. Almost did. Rallied the second half of that fight, made it really close, but Estrada won that. I also took a flyer on the day of the fight on Carmona against Martinez. Uh, Carmona almost won big. He was an 8-1 to underdog when I placed my bet. He was up like 4-1 through 5 rounds then broke his hand. He broke his hand. He could only fight with one hand the rest of the fight. That ruined my chances of a big payday. So, my apologies for last week. We're going to get back on track, though, this week. Because this week, we're locked in on the Josh Warrington-Luis Lopez fight over in the UK. You could bet Terrence Crawford, but that's not going to win you much. You could bet Teofimo Lopez, but that's not going to win you much. This fight, if you go a little bit bigger, has a chance to win you some money. And I'm pretty confident in my pick here. I'm taking Josh Warrington to win. Right now, he's at minus 156 over at FanDuel. So he's a slight favorite against Luis Alberto Lopez. I keep hearing all this talk about Luis Lopez is the next Mauricio Lara. And you remember, Mauricio Lara stopped Josh Warrington a couple of years ago, beat him up pretty bad in their fight. I just don't see it. I mean, Lopez has got some power, 15 knockouts on his 26 wins, but the guys he's fighting are just not great. So I don't... I don't think he's on the level of Josh Warrington. Now, I think Warrington might be a little bit gun-shy in a fight like this, so I don't think he's going to go to war with Lopez. I do think he's the better boxer. I do think he defends his title, and I think he does it by decision. So if you're looking for a bet to make a little bit of money on, take Josh Warrington by points or decision. That's plus 105 right now over at FanDuel. Josh Warrington defends his title against Lopez, wins by decision, and we get back on track. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Jake Donovan and Teofimo Lopez for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.